It's been a crazy summer. I want to tell you a little bit about my last couple of weeks. I went down to the Kenai. I like to go down the Kenai. I have a little inflatable boat, and I like to get out there and get the red salmon. How many got red salmon this year? Fish Creek produced a bunch. I know that. I didn't go Fish Creek because I already had what I needed from Kenai. But So I like to go down there, and I tell my family, I'd love to take you out to help get your reds or some close friends that we invite. And I just want to show you a couple pictures if I can. That's with Zeke, Clay, and Kelly. And uh, Zeke it was kind of funny because he's, you know, he's nine. He just barely has the strength to put the net out there. But, but he started catching fish, and then his dad took over. Nothing much happened. Zeke said, I better take over you, Dad. You can't catch fish. <laughs> Clay says, okay, go for it. So he did. So that was fun. And the next picture is, a, uh, so I took, got to take my dad. That's my dad there. And he's 80, 84. And Gabe went out to help him pull the fish in. And I got to tell you a real quick synopsis. My dad found out about the shoe giveaway, and I talked to him about it. And he said, can I just come see it? And I said, absolutely. So he came about halfway through the shoe giveaway, and he walked into the tent where all the kids were getting shoes, and he started bawling. And he came out. This is how tender he is. He came out, and he said, this is, this is incredible. And uh, this probably, because of his back pain, unless the Lord actually heals him, probably the last time he'll be out in a boat because he was really hurting afterwards. So it was such a privilege to get out in the boat with him. And I think I have one more. I did, I did, we did catch fish. I have a picture with Jonathan. I'd love to be able to take everybody out, but I only have so much time out there. And Jonathan's from North Carolina. He's new to our church and Rebecca, and we took him some fish. They live close to us. So we took him some smoked canned salmon this winter, and he came, oh, gosh, how can I get some of that? And I said, well, I'll take you out once and you can see how we do it. So we took him out and filled up his cooler full of fish. And so that, that, I did that for a week and I came back and Brendan and I brought the camper back. I couldn't bring the boat back on the same trip. I only have one pickup going back. So I left it down there in, in Kenai in a storage place. And uh, so Monday after our Sunday night service here out in the field, as after the shoe giveaway, I asked Mark Kohlenberg, Mark, you want to come with me? And go down there in the morning. I'm going to get my boat in the morning. I'll take you out. We'll see if you guys can get some fish. And then we'll come back. And he said, okay. So after the service, 8 o'clock at night, we jump in the pickup. And we drive down to Kenai. And we go get the boat. The boat's filled with rainwater. So we had to go find a hill to drain it out and clean it up and get it ready for the morning. So about 2 o'clock a.m., we lay down. Well, kind of lay down. Incline back in the pickup for about three hours. And then get up and early morning go out and we fish for five hours and get a bunch of reds. And so drove home that afternoon and uh, got home clean. Uh, I gave most of them remarks, but I had a few. So I filleted them, got them in the free, Brenda freezer bag. And I sit down by the fire. We have a little propane fire that we sit by. And I'm like, I am exhausted. I am so tired. And I'm so thankful, God, you answered all our prayers. Keep us safe, help us make good decisions, give us fish. You asked all the prayers about the shoe giveaway. We were worried about not having enough shoes. Not one child came that got turned away. God, you kept everybody safe. Incredible peace. God, you are so, so good. And I'm sitting there, and then he asked me a question. How many of you know he doesn't ask us questions because he needs an answer. And this is the question he asked me, just to be honest with you. He said, Dennis, how long has it been since you pursued me like you pursued the Kenai Reds? 
And I, I had to just, oh. And so I want to talk to you about the ultimate pursuit. The ultimate pursuit. And I went to the Lord, I repented. And one of the things that Bible says in Revelation, when we've lost our first love, says go back and do the things that you originally did when you had that first love fire. And so I went back and I picked up a book that is a book that actually changed my perspective of what it means to be a follower of Christ. And it's called Desiring God. Anybody else read it? Desiring God by John Piper. The subtitle is Meditations of a Christian Hedonist. Now, it doesn't seem like those two words would go together. You know what hedonist means, don't you? Seeker of pleasure. Meditations of a Christian hedonist. And the point that John Piper makes in this book is that biblically, God wants to be our number one pleasure. Our number one pursuit and our number one pleasure. And so often we get caught up in lesser loves and lesser pursuits. And he refers to the Westminster Catechism. Catechism is a summary of a theological statement. Scottish theologians came up with what is the purpose of man? Why are you alive? Turn to your neighbor and say, why are you alive? And this is how they answer that question. The chief end of man is to glorify God. What does glorify God mean? It's what we did earlier, where we're saying, Jesus, you're beautiful. Jesus, you're wonderful. We love you. We glorify you. We declare your worth. We live our lives to declare your worth on the earth. That's what it means to glorify God. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. One of the statements he makes in this book is God is most glorified when man is most satisfied in him. And so the Lord was talking to me about becoming more persistent, more passionate about pursuing him and my relationship with him. In this book, C.S. Lewis says, everybody is looking for fulfillment. Every person on the earth is looking for happiness and fulfillment. And all our decisions really are lined up with that goal. And that's not wrong. In fact, we're created for that. And C.S. Lewis says the problem is not our desire for happiness that is too strong, but that is too weak. For we are often satisfied on the gifts given by the giver rather than the one who gives infinite joy, peace, and love. We are far too easily pleased. This is what David discovered, right, in in Psalm 16, where he says, in his presence is what? Fullness, fullness of joy. And in his right hands are pleasures forever. David had discovered something in God that we were all created to discover is really the soul of man is longing for only what God in relationship can give to us. And so often we find our lives running on a treadmill, running after salmon, running after blueberries, running up the mountains, running to see the glaciers, running to live this life to the fullest. And we end up wanting. Because all of those things are from God. But they aren't meant to satisfy the soul. And so the call of this message, the call to the church, I believe the Lord is saying, pursue me. 
And one of the fellows in the Bible that I love and how he articulates who had this shift in his life is the Apostle Paul. And we've been looking in the morning services out of Philippians 3. And I want to revisit something that we talked about a few Sundays ago, verses 7 and 8. So if you have your Bible, turn to Philippians 3. Because the Apostle Paul had this aha moment where all of a sudden he pursued in a different direction. And this is what he says. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may find Christ and be found in him. Paul is talking about a change in direction. He was going one way. You guys know the story. His name was Saul. He was going one way, and he got knocked off his horse. The Lord was so merciful, saying, you're going the wrong way. Why are you persecuting me? And Paul found Jesus. Jesus found Paul, and his life was totally changed. And what he was pursuing became as manure. I grew up in a farm. I know what manure is like. And this word rubbish actually means manure. It became like, compared to Jesus and knowing Christ, everything that he was running after became like manure in comparison. All of a sudden, that which was shiny to Paul now was dull. Those things that like was cool, compared to knowing Christ, became unimportant and considered them not something he would go after. When you, when you find Christ and he's your first love, your appetite changes it totally changes. And this happened to me when I was 21. I, before that, I thought, like, why would people go to church on Sunday morning? That seemed ludicrous because what happens on Sunday morning? NFL football. Why would you go be with weird people who are singing weird songs and read this book called the Bible when you got NFL football to watch? And I had been to church a few times, and I just didn't get it. But then I had this young lady wooed me with her beauty and her personality. And uh, I ended up going to church with her again. And this time I saw it from a different perspective. I looked at all these people, like you guys today, and I go, boy, most of these people look like they really are finding fulfillment in something. They look like and act like they're happy and have found something to praise for. And it just happens that they said the reason was Jesus. And so I began pursuing the revelation of Jesus. And after several months, I met him. And when I met him, it was like, I can't fully explain. You've heard me say it before, but it was like I experienced something that I knew I was created to experience. It was unconditional love. It was the love of the Father. It was the love of Christ. And, and all of a sudden, my appetite changed. My parents watched me on Sunday morning, and I got dressed a little bit nicer. And I forsook NFL football to be with people who were chasing after Christ. All of a sudden, my appetites, my motives, my priorities shifted because I had met someone that now I had an insatiable desire to be with and to know and to grow in relationship because he had met my need for salvation. I discovered that Christ died for me, that he loved me so much. He paid the price for my sin and things that I had done wrong. And he invited me to know him and to follow him. 
And so often we read in the Bible about the issue of self-denial. And it is self-denial often talked about in the Bible, but not as an end to itself. Deny yourself. Pick up the cross and follow me. It's to be close to Christ. And the Apostle Paul had discovered this. I had discovered this. And all of a sudden, the issue of what the priority of Paul's life was to know God. It was an aha moment. His perspective changed and shifted because he knew Christ. He knew Christ. He, he knew God. The Bible describes believers as people who know Christ, who know God. And there's some in this room that you've gone to church many times before, but you don't know him. There's a lot of people that go to church and they're religious and they do the things they need to do to try to be right with God, but you don't get right with God by doing. You get right with God by believing and receiving. And do you know God? The Bible talks about believers as knowing God. John 10, 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. Jesus prayed to the Father in John 17, verse 3. He said, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. 1 John 5, 20 says, and we know that the Son of God has come and he has given us understanding so that we may know the true God. I ask you this question. Do you personally know Jesus? Do you know him? I'm not saying did you pray a prayer. I'm not saying did you go to, do you go to church. I'm saying asking, do you know him? It's a personal knowledge. It's a personal knowledge. I was praying for a, a lady in Brazil, a beautiful lady, a doctor, um, Brazilian, African lady, and a friend had invited her. My translator invited her, and she had neck and head problems. And I'm praying for her. I got my hands on her, and, and the Holy Spirit started moving. Actually, it's a powerful story. I'm not going to talk about that part right now. But um, I asked her in the middle of prayer, and I said, do you know Jesus? She says, well, I'm Catholic. And I said, awesome. But do you know Jesus? She says, well, I have lots of questions. Here's what I want to tell you. You can serve God and not know him. You can serve him and not know him. You can even give your life for God. Apostle Paul was giving his life for God. He was a zealous, zealous, zealous Pharisee. Giving his life for God. You can give your life for God and not, and not know him. It's personal knowledge. And this is what the Apostle Paul pursued. That's what shifted his whole life with this personal knowledge. This is a man of great knowledge. He knew the Greco-Roman culture. He knew several languages. He knew theology. He could debate and converse with rabbis. He knew secular philosophy. He was a brilliant man. And he said, I count that all as loss compared to knowing Christ surpassing value of knowing Christ, the surpassing value of knowing Jesus. I think the best way to illustrate it has to do with romance. I, I, remember, I remember that pursuit that I journeyed on in going after Brenda. 
I remember every day coming back from work and showering and getting in my car and washing up or driving up the washboard gravel road, which took about 30 minutes to get to where Brenda lived with her parents. And I remember staying until it was after dark, even in the summer. This time of year, it does start getting dark, by the way. And, and I had this insatiable desire to know her more, to know her more. And it cost me. It cost me gas. It cost me time. It cost me the front end of my car. <laughs> I totally, totally did. Totally did. But she was the prize, and she was worth my pursuit. And one day, we both recognized that we wanted to continue to pursue knowledge of one another. It's a personal knowledge. It's not a theology of Brenda. It's not the idea of Brenda. It's not the doctrine of Brenda. It's a personal connection, a personal relationship. And, and I wanted it to progress. This is Christianity is the progression of knowing Christ. And so we talked about it and we decided to get married because we wanted to grow in intimacy. We wanted to grow in personal knowledge. And we got married and we became one. Turn to your neighbor and say, they became one. We became one. And that's really the illustration of the Bible, of Christ with his people. They became one in him. They became one with Christ in him. In him. Verse 9 says it this way. Paul says, And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. One of the favorite things that Paul like to write about was being in Christ. 87 times he uses that phrase, in him or in Christ. And I, if you're going to memorize a scripture, this is one I would recommend. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Many of you can quote it. But it basically says, he made him who knew no sin, that's Christ, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on my behalf or our behalf that we might become the righteousness, say righteousness, of Christ in him. In other words, when we're in Christ, when God looks at us, he sees us through the blood of his son. He sees Christ. He sees our identification as we are married to him, basically. When you look at Brendan and I, you should see us as one. We are one flesh. In Christ, we are one with him. And when God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of Christ and says, you're free from the penalty of sin and judgment. Say hallelujah. It's such an amazing truth that we don't work our way to be right with God. Paul found this out, all his religious legacy that he had. He found out it was nothing. It was worth nothing. Nothing. What is it? How can I illustrate that? If you were to go get in a car and drive away, you would be in the car, right? And I would not see you. I would see the car, but I knew you were in the car. If you got out of the car and walked into the house and you went in the house, I could no longer see you, but you were in the entity of this house. I could see the house, but I can't see you. I could see the house. Or you get in an airplane, all of a sudden you look across the sky, there goes you in the airplane, high, 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 far in the sky. I can't see you, but you're in the airplane. All right? 
And this is the way, when you're in Christ, God sees you. He doesn't see your frailties, your sin, or your failures. He sees Christ in you and the hope of glory. Now, if you're trying to go 60 miles an hour, you can't do it on your own. You have to get in the car, right? Or if you want to fly high, high, high in the sky and go 500 miles an hour, you can't do that on your own, right? You have to get in the plane. If you want to go to heaven, you can't do it on your own, right? But in Christ, you get there. And it's not meant for you just to get to heaven. It's meant for the heaven reality to get inside of you. And this is called progressive knowledge. Guys, Northgate family, I'm inviting you into the question that the Lord asked me. How hard are you pursuing a relationship with Christ? Are you growing in Christ? Are you growing in your personal knowledge of Christ? Are you growing in the power of the resurrection of Christ? Are you growing in knowing what it means to suffer for Christ? Are these things that's happening in your life? Because the Christian life is not about praying a prayer. It's about growing in relationship with Christ. It's progressive knowledge. It's like getting married. I'm going to share something. Brenda says, oh, please don't. So we're, we're for a walk a couple of nights ago. And uh, you can pray for me afterwards, sorry. So, so we're on a walk a couple of nights ago, and we're walking, and Brenda's conversing, and we're, I'm doing the normal man thing, grunting, and yeah, uh-huh, mm-hmm, uh-huh. At the end of the walk, she says, Dennis, all I did was talk, and you never added anything to this relationship. You just like... You didn't let me get to know you. I let you know me. Men, anybody else in this predicament in this room? I let you know me, but where are you in this relationship? This is, again, an analogy of our walk with Christ. We get born again, and we get complacent. We start coasting, and pretty soon we're not very close to Christ. We're chasing after the gifts that he gives us. Northgate, I'm asking, pursue him now. Pursue him. Pursue a relationship with Jesus Christ. Pursue him. Make it a priority. It's progressive revelation. Dale Hammett comes back from South Africa, and he sits up here with me, and he starts talking about the revelation of Christ he discovered in South Africa, the power of the resurrection where people are getting healed, and people are getting saved, and people's marriages are being put back together. And and he goes, oh, God is so good. But This should be what we are pursuing as a people. It's a progressive, anointed, relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul was caught up with this relationship. He, he said there's nothing that compares to it. He says it's an ongoing progressive revelation. And he says this, well, this is where he prays that prayer. He prays for us. He says, I pray that you would know the height, the depth, the width, the length, to know the love of Christ which surpasses understanding that you would be filled up with the fullness of God. Say, there's more. There's more. I'm telling you what lukewarm Christianity is built on. People who are satisfied with their revelation of Jesus. 
That is what lukewarm Christianity comes from. People who are satisfied with their relationship with Jesus. God never wants you. He wants you to be content but never satisfied because there's so much more. There's so much more. And the, and the world is looking for people that really, truly do enjoy him. Not enjoy red salmon. It's not wrong to enjoy red salmon. I love red salmon. But that is, cannot be the focus of our love life. The things of this earth, even family members, can't be the focus of the Christian life. It has to be Jesus. It has to be Christ. We must be growing in our revelation of him. The one thing, the one pursuit that should define our lives is to know him and his power and even walk with him in suffering that we understand the fellowship with him. The Apostle Paul goes on and he says in verses 12 through 14, he says, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on, say press on, so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. One thing I do. Don't get stuck in the past. Don't get stuck in the past. Either your achievements or your encounters. Sometimes we, we rest on our past encounters and that doesn't help us say we need more. I want more of Jesus. Actually, we set up from 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock on these next three Sundays after today called The Pursuit. Next week, if you didn't show up at 10, show up at 10 next week. We're going to design this auditorium for encounters with God. And next week, the same thing. The next week, the same thing. We want to stir your hunger. Bill Johnson says, to get satisfied in the natural, you eat. But the supernatural is just the different. You become more discontent or dissatisfied when you taste and see that the Lord is good. And so I'm inviting you to come back. We're going after God. We're going to pursue God. There's, there's much more I could say, but don't quit. If you're not dead, you're not done. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Don't be satisfied with what you had yesterday in Jesus. Get hungry. Get thirsty. He's more than you can imagine. We need him. No coasting around here. Say no coasting. no coasting. We're people who are called and compelled to know him. It's the highest calling of the believer. Know him. I'm, I'm preaching out of repentance, by the way. Just so you know, man, he broke my heart when he asked me that question. I'm just going to give you four practical ways to pursue him. And there's much more we could talk about. Number one, abide in his love. Make your home in his love. John 15, 9 says, just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. Get up every morning and take some time just to rest and believe that he wants to love on you. Get in his word. Invite him in, into your day. Abide in his love. Make your home in his 
love. Number two, I talked about getting up and being the word and pray. I would say fall in love with Jesus by getting into the gospels. If you're in a place where you know your first love's gone, get into the gospel, set aside time, get to know Jesus again. Get close, seek him, fall in love with him. Third, I say every day get up in the morning and say, God, I'm here to live for you. I want to know you. I want to make you known and present yourself unconditionally once again to God. I am yours and you are mine. And, and here I am, Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I want to give away love the way you loved me. I want to give away love with the way you loved me. Present yourself. Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice unto God. Like, I trust you with my life, God. And fourth, make sure that you find hungry believers to hang with. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you hungry? It's so crucial to be with people, to hang out with people that are desperate for more of God. It's so important that Northgate, if there's one thing I want us to be known by, if there's one thing, it's to know the love of Christ and give it away. And we need more to give more away. We need more love to give more away. It's, we will be known by our, our love. Where do we get that love? Him. From Him. It's, he's our source. It just flows from heaven to earth, heaven to earth, heaven through Northgate family, heaven through Northgate family, heaven through Northgate family. The gospel is just not a doctrine. It's a people who've been captured by the gospel and give the gospel away in the way we live our lives. Find hungry believers to hang with. You need people around you who are spurring you on to run the race with passionate pursuit. Say passionate pursuit. No lethargy here. No complacency here. We're running a race. And the idea of pressing forward is actually an athletic term of an athlete going for the finish line like this. With all they got. Do runners growl like that? Maybe not. (laughs) Maybe it's boxers. I don't know. It's an athletic term of going for the finish line. There's a sprinting, no quitting, no slowing down. We're going to go all the way. Right, Charlene? I like the silver-haired saints in this room. Right, Tom? We're going for the finish line. If you're not dead, you're not done. Go ahead, let's stand. Worship team, come up here. We're going to finish with a song. And I'm going to ask you to make a commitment to the Lord to pursue him. For some of you, it means prayer and fasting. It's one of the things that he's talking to me about. It gets some breakthrough through fasting. But I'm inviting you to make a decision. If you don't know Jesus, pursue him. The book that helped me pursue the understanding of Jesus was More Than a Carpenter by Josh McDowell. Historical, scientific, geological proof that Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. There's reasonable faith. It's not put your head in the closet and try to believe in Jesus. It's actually reasonable. It makes sense if you do the pursuing. If you don't know Jesus, you can invite him into your life anytime. Today would be a great day. But we're just going to finish with this song, and then uh, a prayer team will be here to pray for you. If you want to rededicate and just need prayer, I need breakthrough, I need fire. How many need fire in their bellies? Yeah, Jesus, we need new fire, God. Fire, we called, prayed that prayer, Lord. Fresh fire, Jesus.
Forgive me for many times pursuing the gifts that you've given on the earth with more passion, more persistency than pursuing you. Forgive me, Lord. I, as a pastor, that cannot define my life. As brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ, it can't define us. We must be a people who are passionately pursuing our relationship with you. Jesus, be the center of our lives. Become, let us be Jesus-centered people. Let us become Jesus-centered family. Go ahead, let's sing this song. Jesus, be the center of it all. Jesus, Father, thank you, God, for your grace that cleanses us from all of our unrighteousness and makes us right by being identified to our bridegroom, Jesus Christ. And Lord, the bride, the church of all things are to be in love with our Savior and our Lord, Jesus Christ. Lord, restore the first love to the church. Restore my first love. Restore our first love. Let us be passionate pursuing a relationship with you, God. Thank you for all the gifts that you've given us, the, the red salmon, the, the answered prayers for the shoe giveaway, the mountains, the glorious Alaska topography, God. You've given us so much in family and grandchildren, God. There are so many things you've given us all to woo us into relationship with the giver. So, Lord, we thank you for the gifts, but we especially thank you for, for Christ. We bless you, Lord, for him. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Christ. Holy Spirit, fill your church with fire, a fiery love for God and a fiery love for your purposes. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer, ministry team will be up here. Otherwise, encourage one another, love on each other.